This is Kung Pao Enter the Minute, Minute 29, Opening Frame. A close-up of the Chosen One finally acknowledging that Wo just said to him... I'm, I'm sorry? Wo repeats... You cannot defeat him now. The Chosen One steadfastly refuses to accept her advice. I will defeat him. Wo retorts... If you can beat him, then you should have no problem beating me. The Chosen One seems really interested suddenly. After a quick spin around, Wo starts backflipping away, only to quickly move into fighting position after cartwheeling from the side. The Chosen One strikes a pose as they both start playfully progressing through a series of strikes and blocks, ending up with Wo spinning around into the Chosen One's embrace. Hope Ling isn't around to see this. Wo, impressed, states, Not bad. As they both stick their tongues out to, uh, well, seem a my not to, to interrupt here, but my definition of that would be uh, Tung Fu. So... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Couldn't let that one go. I, I'm keeping this in. Yeah, fuck yeah. Regardless of the outcome, it looks like Tungy has a lot of fun. As Wo backs away, the Chosen One asks her what is wrong, to which she replies... The supreme gift. The Chosen One curiously says, Hmm? Uh, Wo explains, You must trust the power of the tongue. The Chosen One curiously says, Hmm? <laughs> Wo continues, But I must warn you. The Chosen One curiously says, Hmm? Wo warns, In the meadow you will find Betty's great protector, Moon Yu. Avoid the meadow. As we approach the final frame, Wo lets the Chosen One know, We will meet again, Chosen One many more times. Yeah, this is one of those great bits of dialogue that gets cut off right at the end. Yes. It's not quite like a Ridley Scott film where it's all, <laughs> you know, minute by minute works very nicely. We are once again joined by the Ridley Scott expert, Courtney Colson. Yes. Thanks, Ridley Scott. <laughs> Talking a movie that's quite decidedly not written, directed, produced, or has anything to do with Ridley Scott. Yeah, I don't really know why I'm here, frankly. Uh... <laughs> I know, I know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, obviously like your input on various boob ninjas. Yeah. Well, there's only one in this, uh, minute, but, um... You know, costume expertise, uh, wordplay, and unnecessary scientific research to something that really didn't need it. I'm your person. I'm your man, I'm your guy, I'm your woman. Doesn't really work. I don't know. I'm your human. Yeah. Am I human? I don't even know. Where, where am I going with this? <laughs> you're, you're my resident half-robot. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Hang on, so just out of curiosity, is your in-depth research this minute or next? It is this one. Uh, it's about bilateral asymmetry. Oh, that sounds like a whole lot of words that I should know about. But, uh, <laughs> please do continue. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give you the link to the full article, but it's really interesting that one of the reasons why woe looks so bizarre to us is how unnatural it is, how it goes hmm. into the uncanny valley. And that's because of all biological traits, symmetry is one that has a definitive end goal of perfection. You know, once something is symmetrical, it can no longer be any more symmetrical. Whereas an organism could be taller, it could be shorter. What's the ideal height? Who can say? Lots yeah. of variables. So like the idea that, uh, that how 
we can scientifically or mathematically predict how someone can be handsome or not based on the the symmetry of their face and the golden ratio mm. stuff of gap between nose, eyes, mouth, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and while it isn't the only indicator of physical fitness or attractiveness or anything like that, symmetry is something that we're so trained to respond positively to because... Biologically, it has a lot of benefits through uh, hmm. regarding dexterity, speed, cognitive ability even, and it's also just useful to have spare body parts. So I guess <laughs> symmetry evolved in the first place probably so that you had some spares. You know, if you lose one eye, well, you got another. Redundancy. Well, in the case of breasts, if you have more than one baby, having more than one boob, very useful. If one, one tap runs dry... Yes, exactly. That's bad. So, I mean, that's exactly what happens. So, um, yeah, in the case of, of breast, even though mammals can have six nipples, hmm. halving that into three doesn't make sense. It just it, it doesn't work, especially on a bipedal body. Uh, we did... We were going to get a Deanna Troy with multiple breasts. I don't know how many Gene Roddenberry wanted. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah. I think it was six breasts, and, like... It's like, how the hell are you going to make that work? Just, yeah. Just how? Yeah, oh, I loved hearing, um, <laughs> what's her name? Uh, Marina Sirtis. Yeah, Marina Sirtis just talking about, because she's just so direct. She's like, you know, are there going to be big ones up here and then two smaller ones? Like, where? It's all in a row. I don't... She's amazing when she talks about things like that. The Deanna personality just somewhere off in another quadrant tennis, you just get pure marina and she's nothing like the character oh i wish her character was like marina because she's just oh hell yeah got personality in spades whereas deanna's very calm and very patient i would say that marina sirtis is the carrie fisher of of star trek yeah yeah (laughs) oh yeah you could just kind of you get the vibe of her when you listen to her too much that she's just you know she'll just fucking glass you you yeah i wish they had met those two it's a rough and tumble london upbringing oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) just imagine her growing up as a little uh street urchin you know shine your shoes (laughs) golf Oh, you know she'd fucking shiver an urchin if she could get away with it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not true. <laughs> we love you, Marina, if you somehow manage to stumble upon this podcast. Yeah, I'd be amazed. Yeah, apparently she's a big fan of uh, Kung Fu parodies. Oh, Kung, Kung Pao, yeah. yeah. Speaking of Twitter, I've actually found uh, Steve Odekirk's uh, Twitter uh, page. I have not gone around to messaging and I've not gathered up the, the strength, but he hasn't posted since, like, October. Right, yeah, because sometimes... I see people connected to one of the podcasts I'm doing, uh, one of the movies of the podcast I'm doing, and I'm like, oh, can I, can I contact them? And I've tried, but no one responds. Yeah, well, I, I don't know the, um, the crushing defeat of being ignored by my, <laughs> one of my heroes might not be good for my ego strength, but also I just don't think he really goes on that often. He apparently he's making a new uh, tongue, uh, tongue. He's making a new thumb wars. Uh, movie so that could be it i don't know a, a, a tongue war sequel uh, as a sequel to that i yeah <laughs> tongue wars the sequel to thumb wars well, how would i feel if ridley scott actually hated me that would be <laughs> i think you know what it would be worse if he was indifferent if ridley scott publicly said fuck you <laughs> courtney colson specifically i would be over the moon you know it, as i happy, thought that was a badge of honor <laughs> 
yeah, like, <laughs> either he loves my stuff and he, he's he's very happy that someone spent the time, or he thinks I, I'm an absolute lunatic and is <laughs> terrified of my obsessiveness. Yeah, either way, I'd be so happy with that. Both, both, both is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like, though, so I'm doing Tron Legacy now. If Jeff Bridges was angry oh. at me, I'd feel really, like, that's my dad getting angry at me. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, I just can't imagine... Can he get angry? I don't think so. I know he's gone pissed off in movies, but from all accounts, like, of all the characters he could possibly be in real life, he is the dude. Yeah, he is the dude, yeah. And, like, this aggression will not stand, man. Whereas Bruce Boxleitner, as Tron in Uprising, he's just so angry, but I don't think he's like that in real life at all. No, no, he just, he seems like a really chill dude, and I did get to meet him, and he, yeah, <gasps> lovely Jealous? Oh, uh, yeah, it was back in 2012 when I got, went to go to Armageddon. I met him with, got a photo with him with uh, John Goon. Nice. So I don't think I've got that photo, he's got it, he's got it on a wall somewhere. <laughs> One of the things I do love about this minute is, like, the really dumb martial arts. It's, like, so badly, but intentionally badly, but in a fun way. It's just this these two characters playfully, you know, attacking each other. And, yeah, it's just simple block, strike, block, strike, uh, yeah. It must be fun for a choreographer to do that kind of stuff, because normally it's all, it all has to look so real and professional, and yeah. now it's just, just to do some silly shit. <laughs> It's not terrible by any stretch of the imaginations. It's not like really bad. But it's just like it's it's clearly choreographed, but it's it's cartoonish. Yeah, but it's deliberately cartoonish. It's not. Yeah. It's not the big fight between the chosen one and Betty. You know, mm. that's where like that fighting is not great. Like not it's because it, it's not like Wushu martial arts sword fighting or something like that. But it's it's fine for what it is. It's fun just to see the chemistry between these two characters as well. Yeah. And it and it ends with Tung Fu. Tung Fu. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't think of that joke. I, I'm amazed too. <laughs> I went, surely this is obvious, right? <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I tell you what, I was... Tr- how can I put this? I was trying not to sensationalise this minute too much. I mean, I, I, I did make a couple of gags about staring at uh, Woe's breast, but... I do think there's actually a narrative reason for that, and I'll definitely touch upon that in the next minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really loving the peak 90s makeup. You got that blue <laughs> eyeshadow, you got the pale lips. That was the time. And then, and then, after that trend was the. Oh, it could have been actually the same time, but it overlapped there. Was the lip liner. So you have this thin line of a darker color around the lips, and then the inside would wear off of the lipstick, and it would just. Oh. That was the most trailer trash look. Uh, I honestly have no idea. I really wasn't paying attention to makeup back then. <laughs> or ever. Don't think I even pay attention to makeup today, except, except I'm looking at this picture of uh, War and I'm like, oh yeah, the blue uh, eyeshadow. Actually, it actually kind of works. Mm. I mean, it works for her. She's definitely pulling it off. But um, Oh yeah. Yeah, the uh, earrings, it just needs to be like a leaf shape or something. I, I was trying to see if there was anything significant, but I don't think there is. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a curvy lightning bolt. I don't, I don't know. We we're also looking at this on a standard definition DVD rip, so like, you know, when we get the 4K transfer that I've been begging for for the last 30 odd episodes, I think we'll be. I think we'll start to see those minute details that really pull the costume together. Oh, it's the cape. I was like, is there a flap down the front there? No, it's just the cape. 
Well, that's probably the most impractical part of her costume when you think about it, because you know, I, I think she even gets wrapped up in it a few times. You can see that in um, in the in the choreography and uh... capes are terrible. If you were actually in a combat situation, there's no way in hell. I don't care, about Batman, if it lets you glide further or whatever. No, you never. <laughs> it's physics works against you. Okay, there is a there is legitimate reasons why superheroes had capes. It's all back to luchador, uh, Mexican wrestling uh, iconography, which to hide is... the booty, to hide the booty. Yeah, and, and yeah, same with the underpants as well. Hmm. Uh, no, I, I I like capes as a fashion statement, but not, not as capes. a crime fighting statement. <laughs> <laughs> no caps. Insert the Mona um, Ed, Edgar Mode Ed, 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 Edna Mode drop. Yes, you got there in the end. Yeah, I oh it's been a long time since I've watched The Incredibles. Uh, when did they come out? Uh, the the sequel was like two thousand and something. I, th- I think the sequel only came out the year before last. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which I haven't seen yet. I need to go around to watch it. I've got Disney Plus. I could just do that. Although I've heard it's not as good. So yeah, it's okay. It, it's definitely it's just nice to see a return to those characters. Yeah. So superhero fa- fashion aside. This does get pretty damn sexual as well. And so, yeah, hence why I think I try to desexualize it, at least in my comedic, dramatic reading. Like, I wanted to point out that the fact that they're still technically fighting. However, I just love the look on Tungi's face. <laughs> He's into it. <laughs> oh, yeah, Tungi's into it. Tungi's a little freak. You know, I just realized this is this is the only time we have ever seen Tung Fu. You know, this is yeah. th- it did not exist before this film. It will never be seen again after this film, probably. I'm, so take it in, guys. I'm fairly certain if I go onto you porn, I'll, I'll see some Tung Fu, <laughs> but <laughs> not on mainstream cinema. <laughs> it is a fun scene, and I I think that's one of the reasons why you know why was so memorable. It's not exploitative she is a legitimate badass when she's not like you know falling over yeah it's interesting that even though she has this gratuitous mono boob she's not that <laughs> sexualized they don't do anything with her that's sexist yeah. or offensive in any way as far as i can see there is that one pov shot and as i said i think i've got an explanation for that but that's gonna have to wait because that shot's literally in like the shot's in the first minute but i think the explanation works well in the next minute Hmm. we also get a great repeating gag of the chosen one just going hmm repeated footage like again a repeated joke yes happens a lot roll of threes even though woe is essentially an exposition machine because she's really just there to explain to the chosen one some of the backstory behind you know the supreme gift uh you know betty and stuff like that and literally sets up the confrontation with with moon you later on and sets up a sequel that never happened well I think that's why she yes. looks so bizarre because I this is long before all the you know Marvel post credit scenes. But I think what Odenkirk really hit the nail on the head with is that gratuitous sequel bait where this character shows up. <laughs> they don't seem congruous to the rest of the film. They dump exposition. The, there's no explanation, and they just take off again. Like she is the perfect embodiment of that trope. She is the Nick Fury of the Tung Pao <laughs> universe. The Kung Pao Extended Universe. Yeah. I'm down for that. We need a we need a we need a Ling solo effort. Yeah, like who else is in who is who's in our uh, expanded universe there? 
Well, let's face it. Who are the surviving characters of True Power? It's pretty much the Chosen One, Ling, Wo. Because Master Pain is my guy, but sadly he doesn't make it. He's dead. Uh, Master Tang is dead. Wimplo is dead. Or, hang on, is is the Kung Pao universe actually just Odakirk playing different martial art heroes? <laughs> he just inserts himself into other movies, you know, Enter the Dragon, all that stuff. I kind of want to see Odakirk, Kung Pao, the Mandalorian. Yes. I mean, you love Star Wars, so yeah, why not? Yeah, well, there's Thumb Wars, and he's apparently, um, rumor was that Kung Pao 2 was going to be based on a Western. Oh. Could be the Mandalorian. I don't think Odakirk has that enough money for that uh, footage from Disney. Unless Disney owns him now, we, we don't know. Oh, I hope so, then we can get all Blink the Odakirk stuff. Blink twice, if Disney owns you, Odakirk, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay we know you just want the money i'm kidding so no funny you bring bring up the whole thing of the sequel baiting and the gag of uh we'll meet again in the sequel i was going to bring this up next week but no this is perfect so here's the thing of the credit footage for kung pao written directed and filmed by steve odakirk there is only one deleted scene hmm. and in that deleted scene woe comes back Oh. So this is the footage they actually end up using in the trailer at the end. I was going to talk about this when we get to that rough minute later on, but that's like, you know, probably a year away from now because it's like the massacre scene. So it's a scene where the Chosen One gets caught by um, Master Pain, sorry, Betty's forces, where he gets the tiny net thrown on him. That was supposed to lead into another scene where the Chosen One's getting tortured by this crazy old man that draws on his face and like he's connected up to a... A bicycle that's like shooting electricity into his nipples. It's weird. It's not, honestly, I'm glad they cut it. It's not really all that good a scene. Yeah. It's on the DVD. A lot of that footage ended up being, yeah, put into the trailer. So, like, that's one of the only other moments where you get a non Odakirk English speaking moment, which is the crazy guy going, um, what is your tongue or something like that? I can't remember. That was actually going to be the point where Woe was going to come back, but I don't think that footage ends up in the trailer. Mm. And that was actually going to be explicitly where Woe comes back. And I think that was when she was supposed to originally deliver her the, you know, well, I'll see you next time in the sequel bit. It's clearly a thing that was um, written for Jennifer Tongue to say in, you know, altered dialogue. I think her name is Tongue. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the other thing I was bringing up is that uh, this is clearly one of those things where the joke had to be this one thing, so that they had a lot of planet to go around it, and any subsequent writing had to be formed around this one scene as well. So like you know they couldn't get Jennifer Tongue in to keep constantly recording, re-recording her dialogue. Speaking of, I wonder what they actually say when they film these scenes. Well, that's in the what are they really saying audio track on the DVD. Oh. Do you have a particular minute you would like to know about? Oh, I guess this one here. Do you have a particular bit of dialogue? Yeah, there's one bit that's really obvious towards the end of this minute. Yeah, let's say about 50 seconds in. So you're looking for the bit where it says, In the meadow you will find Betty's great protector, Moon Yu. Avoid the meadow. So in the original dialogue... Get down on your knees so we can get on with this. <laughs> so they're just making shit up or what? Um, okay, so uh, when they came to shooting, they had a they had two scripts. They had the script that Odakirk had wrote with the plot, mm. and then they had the alternate dialogue. So that was roughly the same. Mm. So it gave a time index. So like you know, they weren't speaking too long or too short. 
Yeah. And it gave the actors something to emote while saying completely different dialogue. Right. So they might be emoting, you must not go to the meadow, but like... That's a challenge. Yeah. It, as someone who's done this, it's a very interesting way to creatively create dialogue that's mismatched, but it's also kind of a bit mental to do. Yeah, because I would have thought, and this is what I always assumed it was without really looking at it too closely, <laughs> was that they just said the dialogue as it's supposed to be, but they just had the audio track way out of sync, because it does still no, create no, the no. same... It looks the same, right? No, well, that's it. Is I think I, I brought this up before. Like One of my best worst movie experiences was watching a Jackie Chan film where it was clearly shot in English, but for some weird reason they never used the original english yeah uh, dialogue in the audio dub so people are t speaking english and the mouth movements are almost the same but there's such a disconnect there it's distracting whereas this one because the mouth movements are slightly different but maybe the positionings are somewhat the same like you know the, the length the tonality it works well with the genre of you know a, a translated film and mm. it just meshes well with the rest of the uh, original Mandarin film. Hmm. The more you know. Yeah, I I guess it's, it is better if it doesn't match at all. Because if it's slightly yeah. closer, then your brain's like, oh, but it's almost right. Oh, but it's not. <laughs> Apparently critics dinged him for having bad ADR. <laughs> what the f <laughs> Like, you're missing the joke, man. <laughs> If you're making that kind of criticism, you clearly cannot critique this movie. Jesus Christ. That's always been an argument where it comes to critiquing comedies, and some movie critiques are just renownedly terrible at uh, critiquing comedy because some, some of these people are just humorless bastards. <laughs> oh, this movie wasn't the most technically creative piece of media ever made. It's like, it's just a, it's just a dick and fart joke comedy, you know? Yeah. Not everything's Citizen Kane, man. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and critics uh, took to shreds Weird Al Yankovic's uh, movie UHF, but it got a huge cult following uh, on VHS because it hit an audience that just wanted to have a laugh. What is that about? UHF. Mm. The TLDR is that it's just an excuse for Weird Al to do weird, funny shit. But um, the plot is that Al's uncle wins a failing UHF TV station and he gets to run it. And All right. yeah, it's just an excuse to just make weird fucking TV shows, shows like Wheel of Fish. What is UHF? UHF itself stands for Ultra High Frequency. Oh, right. So you have UHF, VHF, the two other bands that I can't think of off the top of my head. That's how analog TV could be. So, I think I'll reserve what I got left of my minutes for the next minute. Yeah, this is a pretty good uh, point to uh, break and continue. So thank you for joining us for this minute. And would you tell the lovely viewers where they can find you? Find me on TribuneDesigns.com, T-R-A-V-A-N, Patreon.com slash TribuneDesigns. Also check out our Robocop Movies by Minute podcast, 60 Seconds to Comply, if you haven't already. That's Oh, I forgot to plug that. That's where you can hear both of us talking about cyborgs and shit and all my favorite things. And Robocop the second. And Robocop uh, Commando, whatever the hell that was. Alpha Commando. <laughs> Alpha Commando, yeah, the cartoon, we cover that. Speaking of magnificent boobs, and Robocop has them. <laughs> Put in that drop from the, I think it's, what's the pacifier with Vin Diesel, where the little kid's like, why are your boobs so big? <laughs> They're not boobs. That's my favorite. 
<laughs> I'll put that in right now. Why are your boobs so big? They're not boobs. Do you have to wear a bra? <laughs> You're welcome. I don't do many drops in this uh, podcast that aren't you know, Kung Pao, but no. Yeah, interesting, because it is a comedy one, so you think you'd be doing more. But... Yeah, I know. I kind of take this a little bit too seriously sometimes. I, you know, yeah. talking about themes and jokes and joke structure and occasionally mono boobs. And... <laughs> Once again, thank you to Courtney Colson for joining me on this minute. And uh, before we complete sign off, let's go through the audio commentary. In this minute, Steve explains some of the difficulties of working with alternate dialogue. It's it's trickier than you'd think, only because the from an a- actor's perspective, they they have to be saying the line as though they're saying the scripted line. But exactly. in reality, you're you're saying something quite nonsensical compared to it. Steve later goes on to point out the blatantly obvious Moon Yu bit. Well, she's setting up the uh, great protector Moon Yu. Then in, in retrospect, moo, moo, you, because it's a cow, but being under any subtext. So this brings us to the what are they really saying segment. And, you know, I love to point these things out. So here's a funny bit of editing where Roy's dialogue is repeated in the same cut. So what this means is because they didn't have to match dialogue and stuff like that, they obviously used two different takes with two different camera angles of the same dialogue. So when you listen to it without the overdub, it this is what it sounds like. I will now tell you what my favorite. I will now tell you what my favorite breath mint is. I can't remember what I wrote down here for the audiobook. It just simply says tonguey. <laughs> so that is it for this week's minutes and this minutes week and something or the other. Whatever. Between nine minutes into this lunacy, you shouldn't expect like any sort of semblance and cohesion from this part of the minute but thank you for hanging around if you would like to throw me some money i do have a patreon i do have a ko-fi all the links are down below but more importantly please like share subscribe this is on youtube simplecast apple google spotify just you know share and enjoy we're still in the hangover that is 2021 I hope everyone's safe out there, and until next time, I guess I'll see you again in this sequel next week? I don't know. Bye.